0: You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gross. Today is a very special episode, for it is my 41st birthday. And in doing so, we've been talking about this since the very beginning, um... My wife, Anna Herda, who is guest number one for Pearl Jam, is going to be flipping the script on me and interviewing me about my favorite band, which, uh, I guess, do you want to say it now?
1: No, you say it.
0: Oh, I say it. Shocking to nobody, it's Faith No More. I'm really excited to do this. This should be wonderfully weird and awesome and uncomfortable for me, so... Do I need to give you an introduction? Everyone knows who you are now.
1: I'm, I mean... Yeah,
0: so so Ana Herda is the owner and operator of Memento Mori Goods, a uh, I'll tag it all so you can see it later uh, and then buy everything from her shop and, you know, keep a roof over our heads. Uh, a wonderfully weird, amazing, I'm going to use all the words that you hate at once, um, uh, a, a boutique business for all things scary, dark, macabre, amazing. Um, but I'm super excited to be interviewed for my birthday on my own show. Super weird. Let's roll.
1: It's it's exciting. I'm I'm trembling. It's great. (laughs) Shut up. Okay. So I guess my first question to you is, um, so you have long said that Faith No More is your favorite band. And I guess I want to know why do you always lie about that when your favorite band is actually Pearl Jam?
0: I have actually have a really good response for this. Okay, great. So Faith No More was it wasn't my first favorite band. My first favorite band like a lot of kids was probably it was like a mix of like Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, etc., White Snake, whatever. The first bands that you hear Beastie Boys. Oh
1: yeah, I'm sure a lot of little kids favorite band is White Snake. At
0: 7 in 1987 <sighs> it was David Coverdale was like, all right, fine, whatever. My point is is that when when Pearl Jam, when Faith No More went away in 1998 Soundgarden went away, too. A lot of my favorite bands went away. Alice in Chains went, went away. Pearl Jam had always been right there, but it wasn't until I started really going to see them live in 2003 that I really understood what it was that Pearl Jam is. Like, they are the best live band in the world. And so in that, in the absence of Faith No More, Pearl Jam is my favorite band. Mm-hmm. But Faith No More is that, it's just that for me.
1: Okay. So you just want to continue living that lie? That's fine. Okay, we'll wow. go on. Uh, <laughs> and here's a follow-up question. Uh, it's about me. Um, if I left you tomorrow, would you be able to listen to Pearl Jam?
0: No, absolutely not.
1: Would you be able to listen to Faith No More?
0: I don't know. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, when- I wouldn't be able
0: to do a lot of things. Let's be real here. <laughs> Velcro shoes. <laughs> I see you.
1: Um, when when did you discover Faith No More?
0: I was seven or eight. I was really young. Mike Patton hadn't joined the band yet, and I was I was somewhere on a vacation with my family because we didn't have MTV. Uh-huh. So I remember we were somewhere where we had MTV, and I remember seeing the video for "We Care a Lot" and later on to so the video for, for Anna song as well but i remember even at that young age seeing it and just being like oh my god what is this like i don't know any band that sounds like this i hadn't heard the chili peppers yet i hadn't heard you know living color i don't think even existed yet um like so all these bands that inevitably were in this circle where of creativity like faith no more like primus all these bands they didn't exist yet in the public eye or maybe at all yet so this is Wholly new to me, but I remember thinking, even at that stage, that I didn't really enjoy the singer. And I'm like, it was Chuck, who I've, of course, you know, I have come to love over the years. (laughs) Was it
1: Courtney Patton, or was it Mm. Courtney?
0: Courtney was only in the band when it was Faith No Man. Okay. So the recordings with her, which I have heard, are awful. Wow. And it was from like 1982, 83.
1: In my opinion, Courtney Love can only do one thing, and that's Hole. That's correct. I don't think she has a lot of reach. She does not. In terms of singing, I think she's a good actress. No,
0: we've talked about how much I love Pretty Pretty on the inside, and oh. and lived through this. I've come around on for sure. It was not my cup of tea back then, but I totally fucking get it now.
1: Oh, live this is it's, it's amazing. It's a great album. And the, and I
0: told you, I think the other day that like I think that bands like the Rollins Band and and Faith and what these bands owe a lot to Hole for what they did on. I'm pretty on the inside, Mm -hmm. but with faith, no more. It's like, I just, I could, it wasn't when they came back with the real thing and Patton, And of course, back then you didn't know, you didn't like, I was a kid one, but also there's no internet. There's no like, Oh look, this band has changed lead singers. I'm seeing it on blabbermouth. You just like, Oh wow. They now have a different singer. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing, I think it was from out of nowhere was the first single off that record. And it just, changed my life it blew my mind
1: no wait go back a second who was the first singer of faith no more
0: um i can't remember the dude's name but they had a bunch of different singers okay
1: so it wasn't like just those three
0: was, right okay. but but the, on official recordings starting with we care a lot like the the original version 85 the mm-hmm. faith no more only had two singers as a professional recording band
1: okay You, and I know this because I edit this podcast, Mm -hmm. you mention a lot at a young age, you found a lot of bands and it's usually around between the ages of six, seven, eight. Mm -hmm. That's really young. That's way younger than I was. And I think it's, it's younger than most people were. Why did, why were you so young? What do you think was the factor?
0: I don't know. Because my mom like loves like Cat Stevens and like great Mm -hmm. shit, but it definitely not not what I was in, into, I guess at seven, and then <laughs> I
1: don't know. I know a lot of seven-year-olds are into Cat Stevens. Yeah,
0: just like Youssef all day, <laughs> but um, and then my and my stepdad loved like a lot of stuff like Pat Benatar, Black Sabbath. He got me turned on to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and uh-huh. the Wilberries. but. That came a little bit later. I think it was summer camp in '86,
1: because
0: uh-huh. I remember being on the bus with this one dude who, like, was I mean, a total dick, but had a tape of "License to Ill," uh-huh. and we would listen to it every day out to Long Island from Queens. It was like an hour-long bus ride each way, just listening to "License to Ill." And the next year, I went back, and it was listening to "Hysteria." It's when I started having my tapes. It was like Def Leppard, "Hysteria," "White Snake," "White Snake."
1: How big was the bag you kept your tapes in for camp?
0: It just went on my backpack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Was it day camp or sleepaway? Oh, it was day camp. Oh, okay. Yeah. If it was sleepaway, it'd be a whole suitcase.
0: Yeah. It was like stupid, like dodgeball, tennis, weird,
1: mm-hmm.
0: outdoorsy. I didn't like it, it.
1: Keeping kids busy.
0: I didn't care for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that was it. So, yeah, I recognize, I think in hindsight, that I was probably earlier on. With like finding bands that I actually like loved and pined over than the rest of my friends. Like I, yeah. I, I noticed early on that I really cared about like statistics. It's so funny because I fucking hate math so much.
1: No, but you love statistics. But I love
0: like collecting baseball cards at that time and like remembering like.
1: Did you, know... you collect the top rock cards? Oh
0: hell yeah! Uh-huh. And and the, the TV raps cards uh-huh. too. Like I I I collected like car, if not other sports, I went through a weird like week that I liked basketball, a week.
1: Well, you're tall. Yeah, that must have been it. <laughs>
0: but um, no, nah, I was. It was. It was that that period. But I think I didn't really like get into like understand what was going on or what was happening or what they were singing about or whatever. Probably until like the time that the real thing came out, like '89. Because uh-huh. I was nine, I started playing drums. I that's when I, I my mullet was in full swing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I think uh-huh. that's when like Beastie Boys were starting to play their instruments. Like I right. think that that's when I started like going on this destructive path that I've been on ever since. (laughs) Yeah, that did it.
1: Okay. So, what is their best album and what is your favorite?
0: My own question. Son of a Mm. bitch. This is easy. Their best album is Easily. Hands down, without question, King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime. I agree. I think it's very similar to Pearl Jam fans where you can come at me with your favorite records left and right, but the best Pearl Jam record is Yield and... But, as a fan, a hardcore fan, the fan always says no code, and they're right. So, to me, King for a Day, even though it came out at the same time, basically, mm-hmm. is their no code. It's the fan's record. oh wow. And my favorite record is by a fucking hair is angel dust
1: what what What's the hair? What's the difference?
0: No, my favorite songs on that record, and because of the way that I connected with that record.
1: Well, what's your favorite song? So on on the playlist.
0: My favorite song is Caffeine. Okay. It's been my favorite song now for almost 29 years. I fucking love that song.
1: Is that your favorite song in the world? It
0: is my favorite song in the world. And I can even pinpoint it to my favorite live performance of a song is also Caffeine from the illustrious, short-lived, 4 o'clock special show every day, Hang In With MTV. It is insane. They're playing... I think that MTV thought they were still the Faith No More from two years prior.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you know, hyper-color, you like know. Like,
1: spring break band. Spring
0: breaky, like, party band, which they never really were. Mm-hmm. Patton was filling a role, but by the time they were, like, I think Billy is wearing a, a Napalm Death shirt, Jim Martin's in boxer shorts, Mike Patton was wearing a 76 hat that looked like it got shit on, which I'm sure it did. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going nuts. They, they started the song off, or they ended it One of the two. Definitely ended it doing nothing but, like, a grindcore death metal, like, just noise. And I can only imagine what was going on behind the boards. They're like, wait, we thought this was Faith No More. And it was just, it was awesome. It was awesome watching them shed their skin from the success of Epic. Mm -hmm. And then what made it so wonderful is that everywhere else in the world, Angel Dust is the record. Mm -hmm. Everywhere outside of North, I'm sorry, everywhere outside of the U.S., easy is on angel dust. Uh-huh. Here it was not. So that record's multi you know platinum many times over in other territories. Here it was gold, so it was considered a failure.
1: So there's something that everybody says to you when yeah. when you tell them that The no more is your favorite band and what is that? I said it to you when we first met.
0: Oh, they're a one-hit wonder.
1: And you would argue that how?
0: They're not. <laughs>
1: hard but you, stop <laughs> do, but do you remember your argument
0: oh i mean i probably have many arguments i think the one that i always find the most relevant without being an ass about it is that they had two legitimate hits off of the real thing they had epic and they had falling to pieces mm-hmm. then they had a hit with midlife crisis on angel dust it was a buzzworthy video and hit it was a fucking Wait, was hit it, a
1: Buzzbin it was a buzz
0: bin video Then they also had a hit with Last Cup of Sorrow and Ashes to Ashes. Yes, those were bigger overseas. Fine. I think A Small Victory was a hit, too. But I understand that Epic was so much bigger. I get that. But they're not a one-hit wonder. And I I remember that my answer to you was, again, this is in the year 2000, was to give you, you're like, they're a one-hit wonder. And I'm like, fucking not. And to prove this to you, I'm gonna give you my brand new copy of Mr. Bungles California, which fucking worked.
1: I should have kept it. You'd have called me sooner. I would have. And you love that <laughs> record. That
0: record's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, and we'll get into we'll get into patent solo stuff a little later, but we don't have to. I'd like to. There's some things I'd like to discuss. Get off your chest. Yeah. <laughs> some things I'd like to get off my chest. Some shows I've dragged you to? Yes. Yeah, of course. So did More tour more in Europe? Is that why like, they're bigger over overseas? Or was it just the nature of the beast? I don't know if Europe, it was... Being Europe is y- weird. Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know if it was more, but I think a lot of people now... I mean, obviously this year has been weird. The last year, The last 13 months have been weird, but
1: that... In what way?
0: I don't know. Huh. Something happened. <laughs> nothing happened. Um, I think that festival culture and yeah. the lack of genre lines is a thing that's been happening in Europe for decades, uh-huh. where you'd have, like, Blur headline a festival that Rammstein would be on and that Limp Bizkit would play and that KRS-One might be on the bill. Like, it didn't matter. Here, until about, what, like, three, four years ago? It was basically, this is a rock festival. This is a rap festival. Uh-huh. This is an avant-garde Basement show that you know you get murdered at. Uh-huh. Those lines have been blurred recently, but it's still a bigger deal in Europe. And I think Faith No More fed off of that. I think them playing like Big Day Out in Australia with like you know playing with like the Chili Peppers, but also playing with you know, Carnival and bands that are huge down there. It helped them to kind of solidify them because they go to play a festival in in Moscow, their are headliner. They go to play Heavy Montreal, they're headliner here maybe a co-headliner number you know second to three like that festival that's coming here that was rescheduled rescheduled it's in order it's russian circles helmet faith no more corn system of a down none of those bands exist well outside of helmet without faith no more faith no more should easily be the headliner
1: so let me ask you this how much responsibility does faith no more have for being the fathers of new metal
0: as much as Pearl Jam does for being the fathers of God knows what was created in their wake, like Creed and Nickelback and Theory of a Dead Man. It's the same thing. Faith No More, I think... They both probably ran from it similarly. And I think Patton probably came around... I think he dabbled in it by doing shit. Like when Sepultura went a little bit New metally with Roots, they had Jonathan Davis on a song, and then Mike Patton was on that song, Look Away, which is fucking amazing. But I think Mike... Because of his love and his not just dipping his toe, but like being being fully immersed in hip hop culture and doing hip hop records himself and being on hip hop records, I think that he it worked better for him being involved in new metal. I think that the 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 bridge was gapped. He connected formed formed.
1: Mm-hmm. Built.
0: Touched. The
1: bridge was built. He
0: touched the bridge. Okay. Um, no, but but I th- I think it was all closer thematically, genre-wise, where you know Pearl Jam being separated from they don't want anything to do with Kree. They don't want like just the same way that I think that Faith and More probably wanted nothing to do with Incubus or bands like that. Not a knock at them. Just those are obvious fans. Obvious. Like Brandon Boyd has said many times that, like his favorite record of like the last two decades ago, God, was the first Tomahawk record. How influential Faith No More was for him. There was this one thing that happened during the height of new metal. So Faith No More had been away for like two, three years, maybe, where there was like a whole summit, a new metal summit of people that literally pulled up to Patton's house. Was
1: it? Oh, I was going to say, was it in Jacksonville?
0: No, but a lot of people were from Jacksonville that were involved. In, was it in Duval? Was in Duval. Oh, I don't it know at the landing.
1: Oh my god! Please stop.
0: <laughs> I I don't know if it, if it's true, but it was apparently like multi million dollar offer to get like like Patton to be involved somewhere in the new metal scene or I don't know.
1: All right, I'm going to dismiss that as a rumor because I don't think anybody's pulling up to Mike Patton's house. They might. <clears throat> okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: So. A lot of bands, when they take a break and they get back together, it's not as great. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say a lot of bands by 99.9%. Yeah, the like vast majority. Never is never good. Totally. And and I say that with a lot of, like, my favorite band, like Soundgarden. It wasn't as good.
0: It couldn't be as good. It was special.
1: King Animal's okay. I love it. It's okay.
0: You need to live with it. It could
1: be worse.
0: Well, you've seen what Chris does without them. Yeah. Or but did. like, yeah. it
1: could be worse. It's fine. It's fine. I love it. It's fine. Maybe I need to spend more time with it, but yeah. like if they had just mic dropped like they did in 98 and left it alone, mm-hmm. their legacy would be so much more. I agree. So that being said, a lot of bands when they come back and they do stuff like that, it's not as good or it's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, okay." Or it's like Foghat playing the, you know, the county fair. Sure. But when Faith No More came back by and I I say that because I'm biased, because all the Faith No More fans I know are crazy because by and large they are nuts. Y'all oh, are yeah.
0: nuts. Yeah, sure. I'm on I'm on like the, 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 the calmer end of the spectrum. <laughs> right,
1: but like, you know, all, all the Faith No More fans that I do know, like everyone embraced this new album and loved it mm-hmm. and, and seeing them live you know is amazing. How did they do that?
0: they just have always, it sounds so cliche, but they've always marched to the beat of their own drum. Uh-huh. Faith No More does not give a fuck. Uh-huh. They write music that they want to hear. They're not writing it for fans. They're not writing it for anybody. It's it's that trio of, well, now it's the four, but it, of Mike Borden, um, Billy Gould, Roddy Bottom, getting in a room together and making music. They've been doing that since the early eighties. So there's a magic there. There's a connection there. Uh-huh. And, There have been teases of them doing this for years. I mean, they've
1: been offered a lot of money to get back together.
0: An insane amount of money. And, like, a lot of people forget that when they did come back, I don't know the dollar amounts here, but their reunion was fucking Coachella. Right. That's how far Coachella has fallen in the past 12 years.
1: Coachella doesn't really lowball artists, though.
0: Right. They, 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 They got paid. It was before the two weekends, but they definitely got fucking paid. Yeah. But... There's a, And then having John Hudson, who a lot of people shit on because he's not Jim Martin. Mm-hmm. The reality is he's a way better fucking guitarist, and he's a way better fit for Faith No More. Jim is an amazing... I mean, my favorite record, Angel Dust, that's Jim. Why but did- Jim hated that record.
1: Why didn't Jim come back with you too busy with Pumpkins?
0: <laughs> not the Smashing Pumpkins, the growing of Pumpkins. Jim's just a mountain man. I, I don't really... I don't know him, so I don't know. But I just know that he doesn't fit into what Faith No More is.
1: Is he in Eureka?
0: He is... Oh God! I want to say Redding or Chico. He's up there, but
1: he's literally growing giant. Yeah, he grow-
0: He's a world pumpkin grower guy. Like yeah. enters like he won- competitions. He got a
1: record, didn't he?
0: He did. It's I mean, it has to get hauled on a fucking flatbed truck. Those uh-huh. are the kind of pumpkin. This is what he does, and yeah. he still plays, and he still like so he guests has, from time to it's time. Cool
1: and- doing that and not mm-hmm. the Faith No More reunion. Right. Is there bad blood?
0: I don't know. I, I remember, and I talked about this in another episode. It might have been another podcast I did, actually, but it's really interesting because he was so disconnected from Angel Dust and, mm-hmm. like, really did not fuck with it at all mm-hmm. that the solo for, is for Be Aggressive, he did from a home studio or from somewhere outside the studio because he, he fucking hated all this shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's in a different key. So, like, you could hear it. The, the solo is amazing. But it, you could hear that it's like he's not even playing the same song as the rest of them. and But it works. But to answer your question about Sol Invictus and the band coming back, though I mean, you went to three of those? Two of those shows?
1: Two.
0: Two at the Will Turn. I went to five on that run. And it was amazing. Like, it was fucking amazing. They don't... Is it their best record? No. But it feels like it picks up right where album of the year left off. It feels like there's no there's no time lost. They're not it's not like they they have a lot to live up to. They've made these records that are so pivotal and so important to so many people. And to make a record that does stand up with that, there's very few bands that have done that. They've done it. I know you disagree, but you haven't really listened to it, but Alice in Chains overcame so much to come back with Black Gives Way to Blue and failure when they came back with heart as a monster they literally continued where they were on fantastic planet faith no more really made it felt more feel more than any of the others like no time had passed it felt like album of the year came out in 97 this came out in 99 and it doesn't make it sound dated it just it just patton's voice is better somehow
1: Mm -hmm. the band
0: is tighter somehow it's it's honestly unreal
1: what's their worst album
0: their worst album with Patton mm-hmm. to me is the real thing because he wasn't part of it. He mm-hmm. was twenty, twenty-one, joined the band. You could even see that he's trying to sing like Chuck. Mm-hmm. There's a whole story about how like he was in the shower and like the producer Matt Wallace is like, What are you doing? Why that? You sing like that now. That's your... and he goes, Well, that's my voice. What like he was trying to be all nasally and why
1: was the producer in the shower with him?
0: A weird band. <laughs> a weird band. You just hear him sing, I don't know, studio shower. I don't I don't know.
1: St- oh yeah, the studio the shower. The studio shower. Yeah.
0: Hmm. That's where you do all your best showering
1: mm-hmm. And singing mm-hmm.
0: And male bonding Sure Yeah Yeah. It's <laughs> um, like
1: a sports team shower, right? Totally
0: old. It's just like they record slapping tracks, asses And, and then yeah. they just hop in the showers yeah, yeah, yeah That's
1: it, everybody Head to the showers I should
0: have joined a band Anyway <laughs> um, I I don't I think when, when you look at their full catalog We Care A Lot Is probably their weakest record Mm-hmm but there's still some absolute gems in there. Two of my favorite Faith No More songs are on there, like with Mark Bowen and As the Worm Turns. Those are amazing. And even though they redid it with Mike later, years later, As the Worm Turns, as a bonus track for Angel Dust, um, yeah, I, I prefer the Chuck version. Like, it's just that song is so... And they play it all the time now. It's in the set. They play both of those songs. But... That is probably their weakest record. And that's kind of what you want out of a band, right? Like, mm-hmm. let the first one be the weakest and then get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. But of the Patton era, I would say the real thing. And I know that a lot of people are going to think I'm nuts, but I, it really is. I think, and I think it's a brilliant album. But when you put, you put it next to something like King for a Day, these are two different bands mm-hmm. that you're now looking at.
1: Mm-hmm. If you were going to recommend Faith No More to someone, where would you start them?
0: Or start them? Oh, my God. I would say I'd start anybody with King for a Day because uh-huh. it just has it's everything on it. It's that good. It uh-huh. literally, every song, every song could be a different band. They like, there's like, you know, Portuguese lounge music and uh-huh. then like borderline death metal and then there's gospel choirs and, uh-huh. uh, and not only, I'm no, sorry, a black gospel choir, uh-huh. which is the only respectable gospel choir. Right. I don't want to hear white people sing on my shit. No. And then there's 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 punk, there's hardcore, there's what they're known for, like a song like Ricochet. There's, mm-hmm. the, there's that. There's there's the funny lyrics. There's there's the serious lyrics There's the inside jokes. There's them being pissed off at their label, like with Get Out. There's that record has everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that record. God I, damn I it. I mean, I
1: agree. It's, it's my favorite face normal record. Mm-hmm.
0: And you include the B-sides. It is the cover of the Bee Gees cover of I Started a Joke, mm-hmm. which I think doesn't get as much credit as it should because it came out as a single on Who Cares A Lot when the band was already done. Right. Um, Also stars in the video. It's uh, Watson. Um, Dude in the video is Oh, um... Martin... Uh, Friedman. Martin Friedman is in the video. Um, But I I don't think it gets enough credit because Easy is the greatest, in my mind, the greatest cover of all time.
1: I, I wouldn't argue that point. It's, it's, it's up there.
0: It's a viable argument. It
1: would be, it would be... It is it is up there and it would be hard to find another cover that is that good.
0: It's just so good. And they knew enough to cut out that really weird middle verse. Yeah. Cuz it like doesn't it when you listen to the Commodores version now you're like what the fuck is that? Yeah. Cuz they oh, that is their song now. It is. You yeah. Know?
1: It it is it is their song. And like that's, I really can't yeah. think of another cover. Yeah. that that, that comes in.
0: Well, you just want when a band covers something, you want them to do something that's so tongue in cheek sometimes. I think like when Killswitch Engage cover Holy Diver and the video was all of them like in a castle and it was really funny. And it like it gives you that other side of the band that you it humanizes the band a bit. Right. And I think with Faith No More, they have always been so good about their covers and the way like so. Yeah. I remember being with, being you know, with you know my buddy Mark Shapiro, who's now working with them and and Mike at Ipecac, Mike Patton's label, and being with him and a but and a bunch of friends. I used company money. Sorry, Lloyd Hummel, who was probably listening to this, to fly to New York. I did work, but to go see Faith No More for the reunion shows in the Williamsburg waterfront in 2010. And I remember they came out and they opened the set with Pizzas and Herb reunited, mm-hmm. and it's like all decked out in, like, peach and lavender suits, except for Mike Borden, who always wears a wife beater and track shorts because he's a beast. Uh-huh. But that, that is just the best thing I've ever heard in my entire One, they fucking kill it. Uh-huh. Like, they absolutely fucking kill it. Two, that is so hilarious to me, that for them to come back and do that. Like, we're back, but we haven't lost our sense of humor. We're still as fucking good as ever, but we're also, you know... 're gonna we're gonna ruin the song for you now or make it better, depending on how you see it. So great, so great
1: all right, let's get into the Mike Patton solo stuff. Do we have to? yeah, okay. yeah, we have to <laughs> you have dragged me along to enough Mike Patton solo shows and projects mm-hmm. that now we get to talk about why you did that and why <laughs>
0: so well, you don't like being the only woman in a room Jesus
1: uh what? Is your favorite
0: Mike Patton solo project Tomahawk? Okay, I mean it's a, it's not a solo project, but
1: no, but it 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 it,
0: it is. But ha- what we're
1: talking about, it, hands we'll down, a solo project. hands down, it's a
0: project. Uh, actually, a two part answer. Okay, my favorite Mike Patton band outside of Faith No More mm-hmm. is most definitely Tomahawk. Mm-hmm. More than Mr. Bungle, mm-hmm. I think they're more consistent, mm-hmm. having members of Helmet and Bungle and the Jesus Lizard and the Melvins, whatever. Like Tomahawk, the first. Two Tomahawk records, and then also Oddfellas. The new one's great, too. They're just... Those, that first Tomahawk record is one of my favorite records of all time. Uh-huh. We're talking about patent solo projects. uh
1: uh-huh. Lovage. Okay.
0: Which I know you love as well.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it would be hard not to.
0: I, I think a lot of people don't know about it. Like, people in the okay. fandom know, and there's, like... People on...
1: Well, it's very niche. Like, you would have to know who Mike Patton is, and then you have to be clued into his side projects. But I think anybody knowing who Mike Patton is automatically is clued into his side projects. Yeah. And then be interested in that sort of... I don't know what to call it. It's not, like... Dorkdom? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, that. what the Leverage record is, I don't know if it, like, Bedroom Music or... It's, it's song. R and B or soul. It's music or... to make
0: love to your old lady by.
1: Sure, but where where you'd put that where you'd file right. that under.
0: Well and also I
1: guess it's R and B.
0: It's incredibly out of print. And uh-huh. I think that doesn't help that it's not on streaming services. No, oh, it's not. No, it's like the label seventy five arc is gone, it's done. And I don't know where the map I don't I don't know. I, I'm very fortunate that you bought me the record mm-hmm. years ago because I remember being at a warehouse music in Seattle about 20 years ago, 18 years ago, whatever, and like holding it and being like, I don't want to travel home with vinyl. Then the label goes under, the record goes out of print, and then I spent the next 15 years searching for it. So mm-hmm. thank you. But, but I think Patton does that. That's the best that he, that way of singing and performing, that's what he's best at. Lovage, peeping Tom. Singing. Actual Singing. singing. Right. Yeah. Like, but also he's like he's
1: good at singing, and when he doesn't, it's bad.
0: It's true. I mean, I've you know, one of several thousand people to buy both of his solo records that were on the Tzadik John Zorn's label, and those are I would have to say two of the worst records that I've ever purchased in my life. And I've bought a Creed record before.
1: Now, you bringing up John Zorn and my face changes.
0: It did actually, really did. Just so everybody because knows.
1: You dragged me to mm-hmm. a John Zorn Mike Patton show.
0: Shall, and, I, shall I paint the picture?
1: And I've been <laughs> I've been dragged along to a lot of Mike Patton projects. We we've, we've been to one where we waited three hours while the DJ played the same song over and over again until Mike Patton came out.
0: The show was great. It was Tomahawk.
1: Uh huh. And we we've been to the one one in Tallahassee. That was also Tomahawk. Where where like. I was the only woman there. Well, I remember you were trying to get John,
0: John from helmet to not, to not go sleep with this one woman.
1: She was questionable. Uh, yeah. 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 But I was the only woman there, and mm-hmm. Mike Patton recognized that I was the only woman there.
0: Well, that was after the Orlando show. So it was probably like two, three in the morning. And that picture of the, t- he, he was making, he was so unhappy to get photos of all these dudes. And in the photo with you, he's smiling. <laughs> so I, we need to find that photo. It was amazing.
1: So the John Zorn show that you make me go to, where we stood out and waited forever. And then we got in mm, right. and it's crowded and it's hot and it's one of those dingy New York clubs in the back room somewhere. It was at it
0: was at the Stone. And God, it was terrible.
1: I don't remember waiting very long for the show to start just to get in, but about the show.
0: Yeah, I can paint the picture of this.
1: Please go so,
0: ahead. So John Zorn was having his 50th birthday celebration at this notorious underground jazz club, like avant-garde jazz club, which are like the worst words ever to put together because jazz is terrible.
1: Jazz is terrible. And
0: avant-garde is terrible too. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, I was, I was a fan, I'm a fan's fan and I bought into it because like he, Patton did one project with John Zorn that I, I liked called The Gift. Mm. It was really, it is still really good. All the other things he's done with him, I cannot listen to, but it was really good. And part of it was pretty good it was fine
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay maybe it's not that good mm-hmm. anyway so he started a project with it was john mike and akumori called hemophiliac and i remember we get there and we, we were there all of maybe i think once the show started all of maybe five minutes mm-hmm. like an actual five minutes and we mm-hmm. left and that was both of us being like enough so picture this small club packed to the gills with fucking dudes just f- fanboy dudes in their Faith No More shirts, like really a sad scene.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You got John Zorn, who's this producer, saxophone player extraordinaire, whatever you want to call him, playing the saxophone and the mouthpiece. The reed. The, no, but he had the whole fucking thing separated. It's the reed. But the reed's on the mouthpiece.
1: No, I think it's just the reed.
0: Whatever he was doing, yeah. he wasn't doing them together. No. So he's playing them both separately, just honking they, away.
1: They, I don't know a lot about wind instruments, but I do know that the reed goes in the instrument.
0: Just put it in, buddy.
1: Yeah. He was playing them as that's two oddly separate Yeah.
0: He was playing them as two separate instruments. Exactly. So that there, that's John Zorn. Then you have Mike Patton, one of the most accomplished natural vocalists. I mean, mm-hmm. an insane range. Mm-hmm. Just screaming his dick off. Mm-hmm. There's just there's no rhyme or reason. It was just bad. Mm-hmm. Then you have a Kumore, who's this experimental uh drummer. The drum set was on stage, right? Mm-hmm. And what was she doing? Playing a laptop. And I don't mean like a DJ. I mean like she had like some sort of soundboard wired into the soundboard and was just like beating up her laptop. Mm-hmm. This was the show. So we left. Um that was a fun drive home.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've been to a Mike Patton project since.
0: No, you've seen Faith No More since.
1: No, I mean like Mike Solo.
0: No, I don't think you have either. Because since then, I mean, we lived in San Francisco. I was fortunate enough to see The Crudo Show, which is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. The band doesn't exist. It's It was Mike and another project with Danny Automator. Super fucking good. But Yeah.
1: But it angers me. <laughs> it angers me when you have Mike Patton doing something, and he's just dicking around, like yeah. with with uh, megaphones and 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 uh, laptops and and faders and loop things and technology and doing everything. That's not his voice.
0: To distract from what he actually can do. Because
1: he's so good at singing. Like, he's such a great singer. He 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 can sing a ballad like nobody's business. Right. And he just dicks around to the point where it's frustrating.
0: The one exception to this rule, which I think you might have forgotten about, is around the same time we had seen him play The Knitting Factory in New York Patton versus Rozelle. Yeah. That was fucking sick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was good.
0: Because, I mean, if you don't know about Rozelle, just get learned. I mean, Roots Crew, uh, Make Music 2000, like Rozelle is fucking incredible. And to have him, the human beatbox, Rozelle, watch Patton do, do something and then literally be right up front with Mike as close to, we're, we're sitting across from each other. Mike was as close to us as, as we are. And watching him, have his mind blown. I remember that specifically. He was like kneeling down, looking up at Rozelle, like having his mind blown. And I thought, okay, cool, this was fun. And then I remember being with Ed Agadello, uh, who's a good buddy of mine. We used to work together at Universal, happened to be in Atlanta, and I dragged him to go see this, and we had our minds blown again. He was like, I mean, everyone in that era loved Rozelle, loved the roots, and to have Patton be in that world, to show that kind of versatility. It wasn't like a show as much as like a just like a, a sight and a, a sound. and
1: yeah.
0: It was fucking great. Yeah. But, I mean, look, I've seen most of Patton's projects live in one form or another. I think the only one that I haven't... No, I've seen Phantom with you.
1: How is it not endlessly frustrating that you've seen him do mm-hmm. all these amazing things, and then he chooses... To do things like screaming it, screaming into Tupperware. Because... And, and doing video game soundtracks. <laughs> or like that Italian thing he did. mondo Mondokane, which was supposed to be him doing...
0: Italian s- pop songs. But
1: it was what?
0: It was kind of... It wasn't... It's not one of my favorite projects. Yeah. But he...
1: I mean, if you're going to promise me 50s Italian pop songs... Then do it. Then deliver that.
0: Right, because you know he, then nobody could do because it like no him. Because no
1: one could do it like Mike Patton could do
0: so it. So when... That's why, like, I think that my, to almost go back to, to go back to a question you asked me a while ago about how my taste evolved so early, Uh I feel that a lot of that did have to do with Faith No More, and then that turned into my love for, like, Mr. Bungle, where... I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the first Mr. Bungle record. I still am not. I mean, I like certain songs, but it's just too clown chasey for me. Disco Volante
1: is the first one? Disco Volante
0: is the second one. Okay. I love Disco Volante, which to this day I fully recognize is the weirdest record to ever be released on a major label, the weirdest record to ever sell a couple hundred thousand units. I don't understand, but then they came back with California, Mm -hmm. which I found out recently through an interview with Trey Spruance, the guitarist who played on King for a Day as well, that... That was the last record, or at least last major label record, so 1999, to be recorded analog, to be recorded to two-inch tape. Ever? Ever. Huh. So that's when you hear that record, it does sound like Pet Sounds. It does sound like Smile. That record is so...
1: It's a weird, beautiful little record.
0: It is. And that record also sold like 250,000 copies, which is insane.
1: I think that the... And this is from a, a not being a Faith No More fan. This mm-hmm. is just being married to a Faith No More fan. But I'm so sorry <laughs> that that record mm-hmm. uh, is the standard by which all Mike Patton projects should be up to.
0: Oh, I agree. And if
1: they're not going to be better than that, don't do them.
0: Right, right. I mean,
1: because it's weird, it's beautiful, it's poppy. It's melodic it's, it's heavy It's heavy It's slow It's It's, it's a yeah. lot of things And it's beautiful It's a beautiful record It can be But then you have Disco Volante Which is just Why? Uh, and what's the other one?
0: It's Mr. Bungle The first one With the clown on it
1: Okay I don't think I, I don't think you've made me listen to that one Well
0: because it's He's still doing the nasally thing Because But like, he's singing about his boner you... And like <laughs> His like how his ass is on fire Like that record is it, it, They were kids
1: <laughs> You. You lent me California to listen to, and it worked. I, I liked really it. really wanted to get laid. You, you did. It worked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it totally me. worked. <laughs> I hope no one none of our family's listening, but... <laughs> they
0: know. you think after 20 years, they'd like to think that like we had sex at least once. You think? Shit.
1: So you, you Mom, have I'm me, so sorry. You <laughs> have me listen to this beautiful record, and then... When I was done with it, you said, okay, well, there's this one, but don't listen to this one for Disco Volante. Right. And I, and I was like, well, but it's the Well, but this. Right. Because so you're, you're used to, to more. And I listened to it and I said, you were right. This is weird. I don't like it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I
1: like weird stuff. You do. But not, that's too weird.
0: Right. But like.
1: I don't think anybody was ready for that record. No,
0: but you have to like, also like being 19 at the time. And I remember, or I think I was 20 by the time the tour came around and I had driven to Orlando because a lot of the shows at that time like like I love how like now so just so the listeners know we both met in Jacksonville, in the at the height of new metal, um, so California came out this orchestral record came out at the height of new metal with basically new metal's godfather for lack of a better term, putting out these weird records like Phantomas and Bungle and then into Tomahawk and it was a weird time and I remember going to House of Blues to see Mister Bungle and I'd never seen them before I they just these bands don't tour Florida, so uh-huh. it was a treat. A uh-huh. House of Blues sold out, unbelievable show. And they're all dressed, sunglasses, white Tommy Bahama pants, like, but with extra people on stage, because they, they had it set up like the semicircle, like an orchestra with Mike Patton as the conductor. Uh-huh. It was, I've, my mind was blown. They played Everything is Everything by Lauren Hill, they played Drug Me by the Dead Kennedys. I mean, they. They ran and they played shit from all the records. They ran the gamut of what made Mr. Bungle so special. So now the fact that they're back now, even with Dave Lombardo and Scott Ian as part of the band playing the old demo shit, it's really cool to hear now the, the thrash side of the like the, the heavier side of the band, which is honestly more listenable than Mr. Bungle or Disco Volante.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You probably would, still wouldn't like it, but. You're right. California is just the pinnacle. And, mm-hmm. like, the way it feels and looks and mm-hmm. everything. It's mm-hmm. just, it's fucking perfect.
1: What's your favorite cover that Mike has done? He's done a lot of weird, hmm. strange covers. And I mean, like, with Faith No More, outside of Faith No More.
0: I, I mean, I, I remember when I saw the Crudo show that him and Automator, they played a full-on cover, not just, like, a sample or, of Running With The Devil. <laughs> which was really fucking good. I want to say Dub Trio is the backing band on that, too. I, m- I might be wrong. I don't know. There's a lot of weird ones over the years. Like, the first Phantom Us show, they did a death metal cover of Epic, uh-huh. which felt like just kind of like a catharsis, like, getting it out of the way. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh-huh. I would still say probably easy. It's just the best.
1: It It is excellent, but I... I'd be remiss not to mention when he covered Fantasy by Mariah Carey.
0: Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> While wearing a Heartbreaker shirt. He
1: did. T- like, yeah, m- he nodded
0: in the middle so his belly it, his belly It was
1: wasn't sh- an official, though. It was like he had gotten it at the flea market. It was one of those sprayed... It was... It, it a uh, air spray Yeah, ones. The, the airbrush yeah, 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 ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: my God. I forgot about that. <sighs> right. Or, like, I remember at live at the Brixton Academy in the middle of We Care A Lot, they did a breakdown of the right stuff when New Kids on the Block... And it just and then um, they'd also done like supersonic and like just name whatever was happening at the time. And like they've somehow incorporated it into a song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even their cover of like the Dead Kennedys, Let's Lynch the Landlord is great. The cover of Midnight Cowboy is great.
1: Do you think that? Oh, that is a good cover. Do you think that Mike Patton has a positive outlook of the world or a negative one?
0: I think a lot has changed for him. Yeah. Like, I, of course, I've met him numerous times. I have, I've put together projects for him, like I've mm-hmm. thanked in liner notes, like, you know, career, life, highlights, like amazing shit mm-hmm. that I'm super proud of. But I don't know him know him. Right. So I, I don't, I don't know. What I can tell is that from interviews in the last 10, 15 years, it's different. Like, he's still the same way, mm-hmm. but he's not as, he doesn't feel as cynical anymore.
1: Right. Well, he was, like, kind of the first edgelord.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In a weird way. Like, I remember, like, that clip that, that...
1: So is he doing it to have fun with it? And, like, he's poking fun at it? Or does he do it just because he's mean-spirited?
0: No, I think he does it because there's no filter. And I think that there was... When he hears something that feels...
1: But the, he's also been famous for a very long time, since he was very young. Correct. Imagine getting famous at 19 or 20.
0: Right, but at least where he lives here... I think, he's living, I think he lives in L.A. now. He could go to the store and not get recognized. Right. There's a chance he could. He, right. I think it's 50-50. Right. Where, like, anyone else from that era, like you're Jerry Cantrell, you can't go to the grocery store and not get recognized.
1: I bet he can. I bet in L.A. It can.
0: Maybe. Maybe. I mean, but, like, look at somebody like Eddie Vedder. He can't. He can't yeah. go anywhere without getting yeah. recognized. He still does. He does. But he can't do it. So I think what, what I've always taken from it Like, I think it was one of the first videos to really go viral. It was in 2006. I think it was a big day out in Australia. Um, I think so. Don't quote me on this. Mike's doing an interview. Uh And he's there with Peeping Tom, I think. And in the background, Wolf Mother's playing. You can hear them playing, like, woman or something. And you can see his face start start to turn. The Wolf Mother's, like, on the fucking meteoric rise at this point. Wait, are they
1: playing Harry Styles' woman?
0: No, 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 they, they're song Woman. Oh,
1: Things... I also now would like to put on record that I would like to hear Mike Patton Ooh. do Harry Style song Woman.
0: I think he'd kill Watermelon Sugar, too.
1: I I don't think there's he a lot he'd fail at.
0: Guaranteed, he'd pull put that some of that shit in the, the next sets that he plays, because he does that. He's up on yep. on what—he's what, never fallen behind. He's always and been he's ahead. A he's a pop guy. He's a pop and a hip-hop guy. Yeah. And a death metal guy. Yeah. But, um, like, he loves Slayer still. Like, him having Dave Lombardo in, like, multiple bands of his is still, like, the dead cross. That's still a trip for him. Mm-hmm. Um. But my point Dev, is that Dev,
1: wolf he's
0: there at the show, and you could see him turn. And then in the middle of being interviewed by whatever, he just goes, are you hearing this shit? Like, are you, like, what fucking year is this? Listen to this bullshit. And I think it, you, you could see the visceral reaction. that He was honestly, like, irritated that a band... Would and no disrespect to Wolfmother, although Andrew I, is a I dick. Think some
1: disrespect. A little bit a intended. little bit.
0: I mean I did work with him and he is a dick. Um that it just it, it it's fake. Wolf Mother did have a moment, but his shit isn't authentic. So it, it's it's a it's a rip of Thin Lizzie and Sabbath and the it's just it's a it's an amalgam of all these things. There's nothing original about Wolf Mother. So that made Mike have a visceral reaction during an interview and it kind of went viral at the time and I think that's where the aggression comes out Mm -hmm. hearing things that don't feel real like Mike I remember specifically in an interview that him and Roselle would drive around like San Francisco listening to the first Missy Elliott record Mm -hmm. just like in an old beat up Toyota Corolla with a tape deck Mm -hmm. to get inspiration to listen to because one that record fucking rules Mm -hmm. and because Missy Elliott is about as authentic as it gets Mm -hmm. so especially at that time Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's all it is. I think he's, I, I don't want to be like, oh, he's misunderstood. I, I do feel he's a bit misunderstood. Every time I've met him, he's been nothing but a complete and utter gentleman, a super fucking nice guy.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I've had nothing but good interactions with him, but I do know a few people that I've worked with that have not had the same experience. But it's always been good for me.
1: Did the fish die?
0: I don't remember. The fish was Bjork's.
1: Really? How was how the fish Bjorks?
0: Roddy took it from Bjorks' house at a party. Uh-huh. And then, I, I don't remember if it died, but it, it, that was Bjorks' fish, I believe.
1: I think I remember hearing that the fish did not die. Or at least they said it didn't die. Right. To get PETA off their backs.
0: Right. But yeah, definitely it definitely was Bjorks' fish.
1: Huh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Pretty amazing that they've been, that, 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 that was such an iconic image of yeah. like Roddy walking away from the piano like the, the fish obviously but uh-huh. then Roddy walking away from the piano as it explodes yeah the like MTV was using that for like uh for like ad liners and like bumps and things like that yeah it's they were huge but they weren't my favorite band until Angel Dust they became so much better
1: what is it about Angel Dust
0: there's nothing like that record that record will forever be ahead of its time there's nothing like it. There's something about the fact that they were running from being this more colorful thing. It's so dark and it's so... It's just so fucking weird because there's... Just like King for a Day that followed it three years later, there's, there's a little bit of something for everybody on there. Like, I love how Land of Sunshine opens, which I think Land of Sunshine would be a contender for one of my favorite songs ever, too, if it wasn't followed by Caffeine.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Where it's literally... He's reading a Scientology pamphlet. Those are the lyrics for Mm -hmm. Land of Sunshine. Mm -hmm. So when you hear that and you learn that, because I learned that years later, because in 92, we didn't even know what Scientology, we didn't even know what it was. Right. So until years later and you're like, oh, my fucking God. Right. Like, what the fuck? What is this? What is it? What is new guy bringing to the table? Because that's the first record that he's that he was part of the songwriting process and in the band and start of again, not to run parallels to Ed, but sort of like taking over a little bit. And there's just stuff on there, like tribal rhythms, like on smaller and smaller. And they had perfected the sound they had made on the real thing, a song like Kindergarten. And then they had a song like Crack Hitler, which is a fucking, it's like a demented disco song. Uh And there's just, that record is just, it, it forever, I'm forever finding new things on that record. New sounds. I love the drum sound. I love the I love the imagery. I love the band photo. I love all of it. I love how the lyrics are are are, are displayed. I love Yeah, I just love everything about that. The cover art is just it's so iconic and it's amazing. I'm so thankful Faith No More doesn't have like
1: a logo. A logo. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I guess like the, the barking dog on King for a Day, but I don't want that. Uh,
1: yes, but it's not like
0: it's a cool tattoo. I have friends that have it and they look great. It's not
1: like a stick man or something. <laughs>
0: It's not like a or a you wouldn't know anything about that, would you?
1: (laughs) I no longer have that. I know. But
0: you did have the best one I'd ever seen.
1: I did have a good one. Yeah. But it is no longer it no longer exists. Mm -hmm. It's it's been covered.
0: That's right. But yeah, I, I don't know. I that record just did something to me and like came out at such a weird time where I think the label was hoping it would be so much bigger and it wasn't. Overseas it was, but here it wasn't, and they tried so hard. They really did. They really tried to make them something that they weren't. And to me, that was the beginning of them becoming the Faith No More that we all know.
1: So what's a better record? Angel Dust or Yield?
0: It's hard because I want to say Yield is a more complete record for the band they are. Yield is, Yield is everything that, that, that Pearl Jam is.
1: Take away the weight of what those albums are to the band. Okay. And just as, as an album. Yeah. Just as an album, without okay. the history you know, without the... Feels like a trick question. <laughs> They're all trick questions. Without without the weight of what you know behind these albums, and just yeah. as an album, side by side, which is the better album?
0: Are you asking me which one I prefer or which one is better?
1: I'm asking you which is the better album. It's, it's the same question.
0: I'm probably going to go with Yield. Why? It's just... Angel Dust is jarring, and I think that Yield, it, it just, it, it encompasses what the band is. It's, it, it, it's, it's, attra- it's attractive to more people. Angel Dust is for a specific lot of people. Uh-huh. Do I like Angel Dust better than Yield? Fuck yeah. But I feel Yield is probably a more complete body of work front to back. There are moments on Angel Dust not having Jim Martin in the studio probably changed the course of the record a little bit, you know? But... Pearl Jam can't say they have a song named "Jizzlobber." Faith No More can. Yeah. That's right. Or I a song mean, about ejaculation.
1: Sure, and so many bands really. Strive they strive for, for that. that. Yeah. It's
0: mm-hmm. a good soundbite.
1: <sighs> Excellent point. They don't have a song called "Jizzlobber."
0: They could. They tried hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Sure.
1: Why? Why are Mike Patton fans so enthusiastic and so the way they are? I don't know what makes them so rabid.
0: I don't know because I think, and again, I know we're talking about Pearl Jam a lot, but I feel there's a lot of parallels in the, in the. Yeah,
1: but you don't. You have rabid Pearl Jam fans, but you don't have rabid Eddie fans.
0: Yeah, you do. There are always dudes that chant Eddie and cry (laughs) for Eddie. No, No,
1: but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, there's those guys, but not like how a Mike Patton fan is. A unique thing. Like yeah. they are enthusiastic. They are rabid. They know everything. They are obsessed.
0: Yes, agreed. And
1: you, Eddie fans aren't necessarily that as much as it is just dudes screaming how much they love him.
0: I wonder if it's a case of the way where like when, when you talk about a, about Pearl Jam and you see that there's like some frat bros with like backwards baseball hats and like uh-huh. fucking downing Bud Lights and like and we're like, how are we listening to the same thing? Right. I feel like they're hearing different things.
1: I agree.
0: And I think with with Patton fans, I feel there there is a contingent and a, a large group of them. I mean, not, obviously not large enough to be, you know, make his records chart or do well, <laughs> but that will just eat up anything he does. Mm-hmm. And then there's the group of it like. But why? I don't know. I, I,
1: I What is it about him?
0: Because there was part of me and I, and I think you'll understand when I say when I'm saying this, that it's like I almost tried to be that fan and I couldn't do it. Like, I want Lovage. I want I think it's a big reason why Phantom is my least favorite of his like larger projects, because it's just not. I love the director's cut. Super cool fucking record. But everything else to me is just kind of like I don't want this. I know it's good. Mm-hmm. Like the, the musicians are amazing. I the work it takes to do that. It's it, it's like you're a conductor. You're you're writing these bodies of work that are Impossible for other people to play. So I'm even more impressed with people like Buzz Osborne, Dave Lombardo, mm-hmm. Trevor Dunn, that are watching, that are, that are taking the shit that Patton writes or whatever, and then they're like, oh yeah, I'll just do that. Like, mm-hmm. how? How do you do that? But I don't want that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Give me a chorus. Give me a big hook.
1: What's your ideal patent project?
0: It's Faith No More, but th- there's... Because you get everything. you'll get soul and doo op and the heavy and the soft and the, the ballad and the, the 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 punk, you'll get everything. But I think if you're looking at it from a str- strictly from a project going forward of what I want from him, mm-hmm. it's Tomahawk, because it has all these guys in the band that are in bands that I also love. So I know the drums are going to be, like, unbelievably good and so tight because it's John. Mm-hmm. I, and the riff's going to be weird. Like I listen to Tomahawk not only for Mike, like I really love the other. But I guess that's the same for Faith No More.
1: Yeah. If Faith No More got another new lead singer, would, you, would they still be your favorite band? No, probably not. Would you give it a fair shake?
0: Probably. Because there's enough about the band that I love that has nothing to do with him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, nothing. Like, I love the rhythm section. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just saying this because I've become friends with him over the years. Billy Gould is like my favorite bass player. Mm-hmm. He's fucking amazing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's amazing in his simplicity. It's just, like, it's about the tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I give it a shot, but what's the point?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, what are you going to do? Who's going to sing for it? Want to get that dude Brett Scallions to come sing for him? <laughs> you know our boy Brett Scallions from Fuel? <laughs> I don't know. Look, I, they're just... That's a band that I'll take with me to my grave. They're just that important to me. And there's... I think there's a big part of it where I am such like a lyrics guy and such... I always dig deeper on lyrics especially in the way that I work with bands like mm-hmm. oh, when you send me a song any of my bands that are listening to this will be my first question is always send me the fucking lyrics I need to see the lyrics mm-hmm. with faith no more it's not as personal like the stories aren't as personal they're just they're more visual and I and I think that I gravitate towards that because I have enough of that like Intra- introspective, introverted, dark, brooding—the shit you get from like, like *Euphoria* morning, or what you get from like an Allison Chain's record where it's about addiction. With *With Faith No More*, you're almost getting something that you could just make up in your head. Mike—I'm sure Mike knows what it's about, but I don't need to know what it's about.
1: That's interesting. Um, so
0: it's like a vacation from my normal stuff.
1: Yeah, no, and I get what you're saying. Like, like with Pearl Jam, like it is personal, and it is. Those lyrics are about about something. In, in your mind or something you relate to and, and they're, they're deep and they're yours. Right. So you're saying with Faith No More it's, it's not so much that as it's, it's a story unfolding. Yeah. That you don't really have a connection to.
0: Right, I connect to it on a different level like, oh, that's a cool lyric. Or that's a really... I, I, I'm visualizing that like, especially listening to the lyrics for Caffeine or the lyrics for for Jizz or, or like even later on like the lyrics for like Pristina that ends Album of the Year which is this epic track or like collision or like mm-hmm. these songs they they or my favorite god i almost forgot like, like strip search mm-hmm. especially with the video where mm-hmm. it's like what is going on are you a spy like oh, are, yeah, are you the is... good guy are you the bad guy yeah, like which video. but like all that's my favorite video ever yeah is that video yeah and it's like where was this filmed in like the, the czech republic like it's it's all grainy and like they
1: have that feeling for all their videos
0: that one especially though I think it was actually filmed somewhere in Eastern Europe, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that I, I, I gravitate towards it because it's my, I can make it whatever I want it to be hmm. to some extent.
1: No, I get what you're saying. That's a, it, that's an interesting point because most people would identify like, oh, this is my favorite band because I identify with these lyrics because they mean so much to me mm-hmm. because that strikes a chord with me. I've been through something similar. But that's not what it is for you with Faith No More, which is no. interesting. Which is interesting to me because I see I see you connect with, with other bands in that deep that deep way. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me that you would connect with Faith No More in, in not that way.
0: I just put it on that and they're I, not yeah.
1: they're not your favorite band because like oh well because it I identify with it the most. It's it's for a different reason. That's interesting to me.
0: Yeah, it makes it look ultimately it makes me happy. I put those records on and it's not like I'm not like a live in the past kind of dude where I'm like, it transports me to a time. No, it doesn't do that. Yeah, there's part of it it's like, oh, I remember when I bought this record at this record store in fucking Fort Lauderdale or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't think about it in that I literally just get into that mode. And that all I'm thinking about is the next lyric, the next riff, the next beat or like, oh, that little China hit that, that Borden hits there like what What? why why do they call him puffy like, like I, I think about all these things when i listen to faith no more and it, it's, it's
1: dreads right i don't know huh.
0: i don't know where <laughs> he's puffy before the dreads i love that about them mm-hmm. and i love i love how that makes me feel and that's why i love faith no more
1: all right so what is their sexiest song
0: Oh, right. We have this now. Yeah, we have this now. All right. Uh wow. On the, on the other, you're another
1: asking th- another new thing, a new question. I don't remember. No,
0: it, it was Sexy Song and Funeral Song.
1: Funeral Song.
0: So Sexy Song, I want to say Evidence.
1: You don't think it's Strip Search?
0: God, that song is sexy as hell. All right, it's probably Strip it, Search.
1: I don't think you can go wrong with either of It's those
0: Strip Search or Evidence, mm-hmm. I'd say would do it, because Edge of the World is just creepy. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I, I think that, that that would do it without... Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then... Because it's not naked in front of the computer. Do
1: what? <laughs> you said that would do it. Do what? Be sexy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that would do it.
0: is <laughs> their cover of, of uh, uh, I Wanna Fuck Myself, maybe, by uh-huh. Gigi Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, the funeral song is easy. It's Pristina. It's the last song on album of the year. Because uh-huh. it is a funeral dirge.
1: Is that the song you want played at your funeral?
0: <laughs> you can hear abuse and Bruce, Buse and Bruce, <laughs> yeah, in the background. Um, no, maybe Homesick Home also from album. Album of the year was about it was the whole thing was about this Russian. Oh, forgot what his name was, but it was a funeral procession. The whole album feels like a funeral procession, except for like naked in front of the computer and a few others. But like a song like Helpless or was it the
1: was it the cosmonaut Yuri?
0: who the fuck no who was it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter but that's the that that record ended with pristina and uh, in my mind my
1: question do you want that played at your funeral yeah hell yeah i'm not gonna do that no okay will you please
0: play jizzlobber at my funeral
1: no i'm making your funeral about me fuck
0: i love how i'm just guaranteed to die first those are my answers
1: okay all right. Well, thanks for
0: coming on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I This is this is awesome. I wanted to do this. For, I think you've wanted to do this for a while, and I'm I'm excited that I got to do this on my birthday,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, or on the eve of my birthday, to, uh, to talk about my favorite band and some of his weird side projects. And honestly, a lot of the reason that you and I had initially connected and got together and the trust that I put in you to borrow my Mr. Bungle CD was weird. I should have it. I, really, I yeah. really should
1: have played it a lot cooler and kept it and made you call me.
0: Yeah, it worked out. I guess. But um, <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh, I'm just super excited that we got to do this. Um, everyone please follow listen uh, follow by everything you can from Memento Mori Goods. Um,
1: That's MementoMoriGoods.com.
0: Yeah or at Memento Mori Goods on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Obviously, follow the Out Podcast at Out Podcast.
1: Yeah, you never, you never do this, and I'm constantly asking you to do it. As your editor is, please rate, review, subscribe, say nice things in reviews, so so it gets up higher, and people, you know, listen to you. Although I know you don't care, I know you're just doing this for the fun of it, which is why you're perfect to do this. You're just doing it for the fun of it. But
0: I have a podcast.
1: You know, I like to monetize everything, so. <laughs>
0: I have a podcast. I know, and I'm so proud. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Gross Out Podcast. We will see you, hear you soon. You'll see me and hear me soon.
1: Yeah. Ooh. This is usually the part where you say bye, but we're just gonna, like, we're still facing another, another. thing. All right.
0: <laughs> bye.